Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I know you love these people. You love them so much. And that's the reason why you came, to give your life for them. Let us therefore respond towards you with the best of our love, with the best of our thanksgiving, with the best of appreciation, with the best of devotion in prayer, in the Word, in fellowship, in walking with God, being led by the Holy Spirit all the days of our lives. Now bless your Word in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you today for sowing into the kingdom of God. What a wonderful thing it is to have the army of God contribute to expand the kingdom in such a late hour as this. I became very much aware of it in my research. I have spent so much time with these things. And, uh, uh, you know, we teach things in the Bible school. Since 1986, when I planted the Bible school, and before that, I was doing evangelistic work. Before that, I was doing even a sort of semi-pastoral work, translating books of Kenneth Copeland into Afrikaans, and things like that. But all these days that went by, that uh, we taught and we studied these prophecies of the Bible, it seemed to me like a very easy subject to study. But yet I saw dozens of students struggle to understand. So I suppose it's because the Lord just anointed me in specifically that way. But one of the things we've been talking about is the coming of the great tribulation. And we have said that there will be a time, in fact, quoting from the words of Jesus, uh, from Matthew 21, 24, 21. Matthew 24 and uh, verse 21. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. No flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. The words from the mouth of the Savior, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the Word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And um, we know in the analysis of the end times that conclusively scholars agree around the planet there is a thing called the 70th week of Daniel, which is found in Daniel 9 verse 24 to 27. We also know that the understanding of these prophecies leads us who are believers to believe and to live as blessed, like I was reading yesterday from Isaiah, say unto the righteous, it will be well for them. Can you say thank you, Jesus? Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. <laughs> say unto the righteous, it'll be well for them. Do not worry, but look up because your redemption draws near. Only be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Commit your life to Him. Now, 
In those early days, we looked at the 70th week of Daniel and its composition, and we found it to be three and a half and three and a half years. We also found, according to Daniel 9, verse 24 to 27, that it is focused very much from Revelation 6 to Revelation 20, where we find the devil or the beast, the false prophet, um, cast into the lake of fire and the devil then uh, go and be bound for a thousand years for the millennium and for the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. So we see that in Jewish circles, it is spoken of, when you talk about this period of time, it is spoken of uh, as the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, we find that, for example, in the book of Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck. This time of the trouble of Jacob. We go on to the prophet Daniel now in chapter 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the archangel angel of war, shall stand up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people and there shall be a time of trouble, a time of trouble. Now, what caught me like kind of off God, because I always have been teaching that when you see the time of Jacob's trouble, this where it says, uh, they shall be here in Daniel 12, 1, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was there since there was even a nation or an ethnos, that means nations or ethical groups, even to that time. Same words from Jesus. There is, of course, Jeremiah, Daniel 12. And then it says, even so at that time, and then it says here in Daniel 12, 2. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. That's the context, shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, notice, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. But those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn away, many to righteousness shall shine like the stars forever and ever. A time of trouble. Now, in the Hebrew, I could show you charts and things, but in the Hebrew you have, you have numerics to every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, very much so. And that, of course, is coded into the Bible, and I'm not going to again explain the Bible codes, but it's coded into the Bible, and then with algorithms and with uh, a priori and equidistant sequencing fractions, they apply... Uh, formulas by computer to the, particularly now the Torah, which is the five books of Moses, and it begins to talk. What struck me is that very recently, 
as I was working through that, I discovered something very important. First and foremost, let me say to you, the time of Jacob's trouble is like, for me has always, always been in my understanding of the eschatology uh, that it is like, this is it, the time of Jacob's trouble. And uh, this, what I'm telling you now, really challenged me in many ways, but at the same time warned me in many ways. And uh, I was talking to my son Frankie about it too, and I said, yo, man, this is something. And um, then it says, like in Daniel chapter 12, and there's one, and it says here, talk of the time of Jacob, Jacob's trouble. You take the numerics on that expression, time of Jacob's trouble, and you have, like if I take Ezekiel, if I take or Jeremiah, if I take Daniel, it would equate to 740 plus 295 plus 16 plus 3, giving you a total of 785. In the book of Daniel, 400 plus 300 plus 80 plus 4, as the Hebrew letters dictate. Again, 784. 784. 784. So it seems very innocent if I look at this. However, it's not altogether that. Because the Jewish people have just started the year on five, which is a number of grace, seven, eight, four. And then, of course, we see we are living in the year, well, soon now, in the year 2024. The Jewish date setting is slightly different from ours on the Gregorian calendar. But theirs is the one I always work with because that is where everything comes to. It's from the Bible. It's the Bible. And to see the year 5784 and this number, the time of Jacob's trouble, also 784, stopped me in my tracks when I saw it. And I thought, but Lord, this is to do with, with the period of the tribulation, great tribulation period, seven and a half years, Daniel chapter number nine, verse 24, 27, uh, the book of Jeremiah. Uh, well, let's leave Jeremiah there. Let's go to the book of Revelation uh, six up to 19, 11, where Jesus comes from heaven to the end of that chapter and when Satan is bound for a thousand years. But now, first, over the last two years or so, I pick up the warnings, the coming of the time of Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble is coming. I see that in these codes, which is absolutely this book. It's in this book. It's this book, yeah. And uh, the Bible is, is whew, I tell you. And uh, so it's coming, it's coming. And suddenly, on my latest... Um, analysis of this, I see here, ah, that day, there shall be none like it, the day, the time of Jacob's trouble. The year 5784, which began this year, the Jewish calendar, and of course, we go into 2024. And you can look at our numerics, but look at what happens in the Hebrew side. It's connected to Moses in the presence of the fire of God writing. So when I saw that, 
don't want to ponder too long on that. I thought, wow, this is then talking about the Great Tribulation. And I got very disturbed because of that, because it challenged me in all the knowledge I've gathered. And then I began to see in Ezekiel chapter 38 that there will be a time in which the fire of the wrath, the anger, the fury of the Almighty God will be ignited. But then I began to see that there's also a build-up into what is known as the War of the Magog, Gog of the land of Magog. Then I begin to see all over the Battle of the Magog that it has now, like you would say, a, a plane on a landing strip or takeoff. As you the Anglobanray, you can upstage, like on the landing strips, also for takeoff, the takeoff strip, if you will. That there is a buildup that's going to be resulting in a buildup of the anger and the wrath of God in these days. It's clear to me, very clear in the fear of the Lord, that we are now in the time of the buildup of Jacob's trouble that begins with Revelation chapter number six after the church is already in heaven, Revelation four and five. Seven churches, Revelation one, two, and three, actually more over two, two and three, then four and five, the church in heaven, the throne scene, and chapter number six, the time of Jacob's trouble, exactly fits in with that. It's all there. But now I say, Lord, here I see in this year, no more the time of Jacob's trouble is coming and says the time of Jacob's trouble. That tells me how close we are to the departure of the church, I tell you now. If there's one message, <laughs> You know, I can't tell you how many hours I've studied these things. If there's one message that is very serious, is that, but definitely, this is the worst time in world history to backslide. The worst time. For those people at the habit watching me on the internet, and you're just watching, but you're not coming. You should be in the house of God. You should experience this body of Christ. You should have fellowship with the saints. You should be here. It is the worst time in world history since Adam and Eve for any person who knows God to be backsliding. Case in point, I have no doubt. If I work through this, and it's pages and pages. I write and write and hear. There's just pages of it. I see something which is very, very dangerous. And I'm thinking to myself, the buildup of the time of Jacob's trouble has begun. Now, with that being said, I want to talk to you and I want you to imagine for a moment now, I can speed up, but sometimes if I speed up and I quote too many verses, then I think that the people really get that. People really think about it, time to digest what is being said. So I'm trying to slow down, but then at the expense of leaving out a lot of data. Um, if you took, I think of all the 
men of the Bible of the Old Testament that really made a deep impression on me. The one man was Moses, the man of God, Isha Elohim, man, holy man, mighty warrior of the Holy Trinity, um, Moses, and then there was, he represented the law, and then there's Elijah, he represented the prophets. And everybody knows about the stunning way in which things just happened in the days of Elijah. So, that being said, in the book of James, chapter number 5, and I'm going to pick up from verse 16, I would read here for you from the Amplified Bible because um, it just brings out a few things. Before I get into it, I want you to understand one thing. If Elijah was alive now, how would Elijah look at this present-day world? When already the Bible codes are saying, it's time now, the time of Jacob's trouble. The build-up of the wrath of God in Ezekiel chapter number 38. A lot of people, I notice the Jews are very much into Ezekiel 38. But that is a build-up. It has not begun, not like 38, because that academically, precisely, those sequence of events have not yet been mobilized. Those factors, they're not mobilized. So, therefore, it is clearly the build-up. And the war in the Middle East, I really don't care who says what. This is a build-up. This is not an instant coffee thing. Forget it. Now, I'll give you some information about that, but let's see how far I get. In James chapter number 5, 16, imagine what Elijah saw. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps and your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed. And restored. The heartfelt, Amplified Bible, and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, in parenthesis, can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, and it is dynamic and can have immense, tremendous power tremendous power. What would have tremendous power? The persistent prayer of the righteous believer in right standing with God. So, 17. Elijah. In our time, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and with the same physical, notice, physical, same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. Now, he was a man with a nature like ours, same physical, mental, spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain. And it did not rain on the earth three years, six months. Prayed again. And the sky gave rain and the land produced its crops. So when looking at the time of Jacob's trouble, I then thought, all right, out of all of this detail, here is this man 
what was he living in? There's some, I estimate about 60 to 63 curses written that I can pick up in uh, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 from verse 15. If you disobey the words of this book and you live, you try to live without God, if you're disobedient, you, <laughs> you don't make the commitment where you should be making a commitment, put the priority where you should be putting your priority, and you forget about God, then all these curses will come upon you. And then it begins to list one after another curse. It literally covers the entirety of your life. Put it this way. If you're disobedient, then if you forget God, if you push God aside, if you go out there and join the ignorant who know not God, they have no fear of God before them, who are destined to damnation, except they repent, except they repent. If you think about that in your own life, then you know it's like, all right, why is it so that there are so many curses in the land? So if you look at the planet, but you also look at South Africa, but you also look at your own life, why do things go wrong that have already gone wrong and keep on going wrong and it just doesn't want to work out? It's not working for me. The wrong stuff keeps being wrong. If you study If you study and you listen and you read carefully, Jeremiah 28. Now we know that Christ has redeemed us from the Lord, from the law. That's Galatians 3.13, by the way. Christ has redeemed us from the law, having been made a curse for us, for it's written, blessed is, cursed is everyone, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree, which is the cross, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the ethnos, the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus bore in his body, judged sin, Romans 8, 2, in his own body upon the cross. So he, he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our disease, paid for our sins through his blood, set us free. But if you're not in Christ Jesus, you are instead in trouble. That's it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Commitment is not an option. Commitment is not even a matter of anything is but the only choice. For he says very clearly, I can go now into things like, how would I say that the Bible is authentic? There's a whole list of stuff I could straight away start with. To tell you that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Indeed, the whole Bible confirms that circumstances, all the, all the stuff that people research, all the archaeology, all the things we see in all the books and whatever will confirm to you billions of people through the ages have believed in Jesus unto the salvation of their souls. But now, if Elijah looked and he was here in South Africa or he was in Israel indeed or he was in the United States or in Europe or anywhere else on earth, what would that prophet see? That's the question. The land was going down. And he knew exactly why. He knew exactly why. Because God was showing it to him. 
there came Holy Spirit revelation, illumination, and understanding to him through the Holy Spirit clearly. And in a moment, he saw the world like it really was. I was uh, communicated to me, Pastor Tienz is most probably in flight now down to the Southern Cape. And he said to me, you know what? He said, Pastor Harold, he says, I remember you told us the vision of the fallen angel that came down on the street. Here, not far from here. And there was a crowd on the street. That angel moved so swiftly, I tell you, I could not see it with normal eyesight. But I could see him literally like make a U-turn, not a U-turn, a um, 90 degree turn, like down and this way at the same speed, like with no gravitational pull on that, that creature. He landed in the street and started touching people. Every time he touched people, their, their heads changed into the shape of monsters. If you looked at them, you were looking straight in the eyes of death. And God showed me that day. And then those who have been converted into these monstrous head, heads turned to other people and touched them also. As they then evangelized hell to them, they also turned into monsters. Looks like prickly pears in, a, in a, a, the leaves that got twisted up, very twisted with spikes and with these eyes of death, just holes there. It's like terrible. And you see the people and as they touch people and then those things turn towards me and try to attack me. But I saw it in the vision. I started praying. And the moment I said, in the name of Jesus, I got all their attention. They fell back. They came again. They fell back. They came again. They fell back. And eventually they gave it up and they just dispersed as I started praying in the spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit. There's no problem there because if we have authority, you understand those things. So you look at our country and you see how this country has gone off the track. And I'm not standing here as a politician. I've never been one, never want to be one. Do not take sides with any political party. You never hear me talk about that. I'm here to pray for a nation. I believe it's part of my personal destiny to pray for this land. I'm definitely not Elijah. I can tell you that. The one spoken of here in the Bible in Malachi, the book of Malachi, God says, I send you the prophet Elijah before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons, the children, to their fathers, lest I smite the earth with a curse. I preached that sermon once and many demons came out at a youth camp. I remember Pastor Tienz was there. Many demons came out. The moment I said that, because there's so many hang-ups between parents and children, but the demons came out. Fact is, what did he see? Now, he saw the world of Israel. He saw the planet. We see the world, which is so gloriously now portrayed through the multimedia. On any given day, I monitor at least seven different sources of the news of Israel, any day, all the time, because this thing is developing. And I can see what's happening there. I can see two American battleships arriving, and I can see the ones called the Gerald Ford. It's the largest flight deck carrier on the planet. It's accompanied with a strike force of other boats, and of course submarines would be subsurface. And there are missiles, and there's all kinds of the latest technology available to man on those boats. You better believe it. 
they move into position as a deterrent towards Nasrallah and the people down there to come down from the north, keep them at bay. In the south, there is Yemen and the Houthis that started shooting stuff at Israel. Drones, missiles, the American battleships took them out. In the meantime, another battleship, this one called the Ike Eisenhower, also a fly deck ship, moved in position just south of, of Iran. Also accompanied with a strike force of other battleships and submarines and all the latest technology and supply ships coming in all the time. Then I see the war going on. Very few people know about it. But for example, in the war there, from the American flight deck ship, from the Gerald Ford, and I do not know how much from the one there, the Ike Eisenhower is the other one sitting down there, just below Iran. All is a deterrent. Don't take out your guns. Just don't. Because if you do, you're going to get it. And we're close. So, with that, see, I watched that thing, and then I saw that that uh, the um, now the, from the American battleships, there are missile batteries that have moved into position. They, if I start, if I just go in a circle like that, if you view the map of of the Middle East, starting with Saudi Arabia, missile battery systems go to them, anti missile systems and missile systems and whatever else is needed shipped already already in Saudi Arabia also in the Emirates also in Yemen also in uh, the areas of Iraq not Iran Iraq Syria Jordan and finally of that list I see these nations the number seven nation Kuwait is another one. Number seven nation is, of course, uh, not Yemen, but Kuwait instead. Uh, the number seven nation, of course, is Israel itself. These anti-missile batteries. The Americans announced with that that we now have developed new nuclear weapons, 20 times as powerful as Hiroshima or Hiroshima and Nagasaki put together those things multiplied by 20 times and you see the nuclear power of a new type of technology which is uh, gravitational in its design. Gravitational mathematics used as they do those things and how the interaction happens within the chemicals. So then I see that at the same time Israel is moving. I see missiles, Kiryat Shmona, which is the north of Israel. They're going on high alert. They've got their ready systems there. I see a thing that is really not good for the planet. But above all, I see that there is a planet stricken with trouble and nobody knows. But also, with that, I say to you, with that, of course, apart from all of that, there are other things developing. Other things, ominous developing in Europe. Quite apart from that, but ultimately reminds you of Revelation 17, 13, where it says, and these kings were one of mind and one of heart, and they gave their power and authority unto the beast. Revelation 17. The beast was, is not, and must come, but he himself will be not one of the seven, but one of the eight. He will be the eighth the eighth of the nations that suppressed Israel. Um, 
Now, if I look at all of this, I say to myself, what did Elijah then do when he saw the circumstances? When we see the circumstances of South Africa, which I can, of course, elaborate about. Of course, I could say a lot. And of course, I can say a lot about what goes on in America and what goes on in the... I, I read these things. I make sure that I set apart time all the time now, watching the development of all of this thing. Not only those things that have been happening there. I tell you, I have a list here of things, supply ships, American fighter jets striking now places of assets, American assets, soldiers deployed in, in um, like Iraq, in Syria, and so on, wherever those are. So then the Russians opened the airport because they've taken out Aleppo, the airport out there in Syria at the north. It is a volatile situation on our planet we live in. I thank God that we're living in South Africa. But if Elijah came here and he stood here now, what do you think he'll say about this country? What will he say about the troubles of this country? What will he say about when he sees the poor of this country? From prophetic insight point of view. So what was his response? I will have to, because time, you know, time and me. It's like the time has already been shortened. I mean, I'm 9-11 here. 9-11, did I say that? Number one, he struck the earth, God struck the earth with a drought. The prophet prays, I wrote down here, no rain for three years and six months, and then it stops raining. God shuts the heavens because of a righteous prophet with A nature like ours with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings, and he prayed intensely for it not to rain. And it did not rain for three years and six months. Number one, he prays, and God directs the rain because of the state. You know, presidents of nations have a thing called the state of the nation. From God's point of view, there's also a state of the nation. But the president has not yet spoken and will shortly do so and come to get his body or the bride. So then he confronts at the time the man called Ahab, one huge compromiser controlled by Jezebel. He prays that no, year, no rain will pray for three or six months and it did not. Then again, the prophet on Mount Carmel at a place called Muhraka restores the altar of prayer, taking 12 stones, takes two cows to be sacrificed, one for himself and one for the 850, 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. They were defiling the land with Jezebel. What about Jezebel? I've just written here when I was just sitting at home. Idolatry, deception, manipulation, persecution, killer of the prophets, Word, um, the prophets and killer of the word of God, invoker of the curse of the land, the very reason. She was what you call a sex siren. 
She sent out messages even at the time of her death. She painted her eyes to look very beautiful, but instead got thrown out of a window and the dogs licked her blood and ate the rest but stayed over. She was a witch. She practiced witchcraft, rebellion. She was an activist of evil and the list goes on. The wickedest woman, both in the New Testament and again, of course, we find her in the church of theater, same spirit, the devastation that she causes there. Uh, he prays, he restores the altar. And when he did that, I've always called it the altar of prayer because right there he's going to pray. God then answers by fire. Again, he prays at the altar of prayer, prays. This time God answers by fire. Number five, he prays seven times and it begins to rain again. See? Then, after that, he gets so empowered that he outruns. He girded his loins and he outruns the chariot of King Ahab all the way down to Jezreel, which is down the hill in a direction more towards the Sea of Galilee. If you take the specific route down to, uh, to Galilee, we pass that if we go up to the highlands. When you come up from Lake of Galilee, you pass there, you get on your right-hand side, you, f you find the city of uh, Jezreel, and after that you go higher, you get Dothan, then you get, uh, you get uh, the two place of, of Jacob's, or rather I say Joseph's twin wells. There's one dry and one with water, he was thrown in the dry one. And you pass south through Samaria and, and all of those cities, past Bethel, Shiloh, Bethel, and then ultimately Jerusalem. He became a runner. He outran darkness. He outran. Even God sent him out of the way of the destructive force that Jezebel herself was representing. Now, with that in mind, what I'd, <laughs> I mean, what I'd like to tell you about is what is busy happening in Europe. I don't know if I should use a little bit of time tonight and talk on so you get fully in the picture with all of these things. Do you want me to do that? Yeah, just raise your hands if you say yes. I'll tell you more about what's busy happening in Europe and the developments that is synchronous with what's happening in the Middle East. God's wrath is kindled all the time against Gog, the war of the Magog, Gog is the prince. And of course, you know what, what the Russians said at the United Nations? Israel has no time, no, has no reason to defend itself. But God gave Israel the land. From Israel came this book. From Israel came this Bible. Can you say amen? If you're a Christian, understand that according to the national statistics, 85.3 of the people, percentage of the people of this land. 85.3 of the people in this land says we're Christian. Then about seven, call it 7.4, I think 4.6, says, well, they're part of African type worship, you know, from Africa. And then you have the next closest religion is Islam with about 1.1%. Versus 85.3%. This is a Christian nation, people. This is a place 
we read the Bible of the Word of God, Jesus Himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Here we are. I stand with Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Stand up, give your, give the Lord a praise offering today. Oh yes. Now that you've done that, give the Lord a praise offering now. Everybody now. Hallelujah. Now that you've done that, I want to ask you a straight question. If you're a Christian, raise both your hands like that. Look around you. See, this is the spirit of the church in South Africa. Bring that little one to me. Bring him that little one. Bring him. Just bring him up here. Just quickly, quickly, quickly. Let them see him. You, you're the father. You bring him. Bring him. Let him do what he's just been doing. Let's do that. Ask Maud. I said, who's a Christian? You see, all these hands jump up. Everybody say, South Africa belongs to Jesus Christ and we're in the majority by a long shot. Give God another praise offering right now. I see this doctor, Dr. Dennis, smile from ear to ear. Amen. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Do you love Jesus, people? Yes. Do you love each other? Yes. Do you enjoy your church? Yes. I'm sorry I couldn't get through more. Hallelujah. I don't know why Harold called me up here, but I got this so powerful, and I'm going to just do it very quickly. Psalm 33 says, and, and he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of nations. He makes it the governments of no decision. They can't make a decision. He makes the thoughts and the plans of people ineffective. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts and plans of His heart through all generations, blessed, fortunate, prospered and favoured by God is the nation whose God is the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, on this word we just stand. We give our nation to you, Father. We pray that you will take control. We pray that the counsel of the wicked will come to naught, that every evil plan of the devil, Father, will be thwarted, that he will not be able to control our land. And Father, we pray for the Christians to rise up in this nation, to take control yes. of our nation in Jesus' name. And we ask for your blessing upon the church this morning as they go and come this evening. And everybody agreed and said... Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.